0: You know, good evening, everyone. And, uh, you know, some months ago when Cindy was uh, writing to me what I would like to speak about, I said uh, I'd like to speak about making peace with the earth is making peace with ourselves. And uh, when I was starting off the meditation, you know, speaking about that this body is actually a piece of the planet. It's a sacred land. And always has been, but it looks like to me, you know, that we as a, as a species, you know, start to wake up to that truth. There have always been individuals, you know, who were aware of that. They were, you know, maybe like in special positions, like shamans or, or other kind of spiritual advanced, you know, persons, but generally in the mainstream, that way of thinking was completely foreign. I also, you know, did never understand my body to be planet. Until, you know, a few years ago when I, you know, when the whole climate crisis became more and more kind of apparent around the world. And uh, when I was, you know, trying to find ways to understand better what is going on. And, and then what I was doing is the meditation on the four elements or five or six elements, which is, you know, part of the early Buddhist teaching is, is a uh, first foundation of mindfulness, first Satipatthana about the body and doing that meditation on a regular basis, it brings it really very well home, you know, how much the body is actually in complete interexistence with planet. And that all of the elements in which we can find in the body are just the same elements, the very same elements as which built this planet. And that there's a constant exchange happening and we are not different. We are just planet. And now, you know, in this time of, of uh, interlocking crisis, we s- start to, you know, see that we really need to dig deeper in order to be able to respond because, you know, most of the responses up to now are, are too shallow. They are not really cutting it, and uh, we need to to speak with Bayo Akumolafe, which is a Nigerian renegade academic and and teacher. And I put his name into the chat earlier today. Probably quite high up on the chat. Maybe it's like the third. The third line. You can see his name. He he grew up Bayo lafe grew up in a traditional Nigerian society and he's deeply you know deeply steeped in the uh, teachings of of those people in Nigeria you know in, but also has uh, a PhD in clinical psychology I think from Cambridge or somewhere in England and lives is married with an Indian woman and lives in Chennai so he has a very particular mix, you know, of cultures and influences. It has a very unique way of, of speaking about what's going on right now on the planet. And I find it very refreshing to see with very different eyes than my own eyes. And, uh, so when I wanna, you know, use, uh, one of, of um, Slogans, you know, he says, the times are urgent, let us slow down. The times are urgent, let us slow down. You know, because we really need to go deeper. In order to be really able to respond from a place of, you know, doing something different. And uh, he speaks about post activism, which is for him a derivation of the word compost activism. And, you know, saying that, uh, you know, we are no longer, we, we are increasingly starting to realize, you know, that we are no longer at the center of this world. So we have to compost that position. We have to compost, you know, all of the, Assumptions, emotions, ideas, thought patterns, and all of that, you know, which are so deeply entrenched in our cultures, in our systems. We need to open up to a much, much more than human world and allow ourselves to compost everything which has come before that. And, you know, sitting with the confusion of that, the very messiness of that, that we have really lost our way. And, you know, and, and nature and uh, the planet itself is reflecting that back to us, I think, in, in no uncertain terms. If we are willing to, to look, if we are willing to stay with that discomfort, with that uncertainty, with the confusion, you know, and allowing that to change us. Just in the same way, you know, as I was guiding in a meditation about, you know, those four classic steps, um, you know, very much the hallmark of the Buddha's teaching, which are like this, the, the last tetrad of the Anapanasati Sutta, which is, you know, starting with seeing impermanence, then allowing that very seeing of impermanence, to wash away the craving to wash away the clinging and then if we can allow that washing away you know which is a disenchantment this passion then you know the mind is capable to see endings to see that you know everything which has a beginning has a middle and an end a breath a meal a lifetime a culture, a worldview. And then, you know, allowing things to end. That's like a, a great skill, you know, which we need to train ourselves in order to then come, you know, to the last step, which is a recite of that seeing and allowing, which is letting go. So that's, the Four tetra in the Anapanasati Sutta, you know, and every observation, every practice, which includes these four steps, is is liberating. Because you know, impermanence is one of the three characteristics, and it's usually the most uh, readily available dhamma gate, which we can quite quickly see, but then you know the, the profundity of the process of uh, you know, washing away of craving, seeing ending and letting go—that comes from the quality of our turning towards that impermanence. You know, which is more than intellectual understanding, but it's a, it's a deep um, integration, and you know, going through the discomfort, going through the shaking up, you know, of that which we think we are and allowing that, you know, to just, you know, resonate, reverberate through the body and the mind. And for that, you know, there needs to be that that willingness to stay open to the uncertainty, which, you know, allows us to go deeper into reality and... Allowing ourselves to be changed. Not in a, in a way, you know, it's not something we can do, but we can set the conditions for that to happen. And our lives, you know, and our existence as human beings has all of the ingredients. They are already there. But we can, you know, we can empower that process by making, you know, setting the conditions for it, which means simply, you know, to learn some kind of a skill, how we can uh, train our mind and direct our attention and, you know, becoming conscious of our intention and then inviting that process to do its thing, you know. It's not something we have to do, but we have to allow it. And, uh, you know, allowing that release of those old patterns which trap us in the past, which are often connected, you know, to some kind of uh, trauma, to some kind of experience of lack, to some kind of um, holding, you know, not... Well, having not been able to digest something, and still holding it in the body and in the mind, and you know, not, not allowing life to really flow fully through us. And if we you know can activate this, this knowing, and and be okay with with all of the feelings, you know, which have been not digested yet to emerge and, you know, be often quite unpleasant and ungrounding and, and difficult. But if we have that, you know, capacity to more and more allow that process to happen, then, you know, increasingly the digestion of this old material happens and it becomes present and from you know which we are no longer caught in the past but we can come into the present moment and from that we are able to allow new ways of being and doing and thinking emerge so that that surrender And Chah, you know, one of the Thai forest masters, his books about about earthworm practice, you know, there's the, an earthworm imagine in the earth, you know, is completely surrendered to what is there, and just like being, you know, eating what is in front of him, and then digesting, and then comes out the other end, and you know, those earthworms they're extremely important for, you know, this life on this planet to actually work to have you know have healthy soils which can help us to produce food and forests and all of that those little creatures you know many of us maybe never seen an earthworm but they're doing an amazing job and they are very very humble beings and I think at this time you know when we are also you know like over our ears you know in in confusion and uncertainty and not knowing we can take heart and, you know, be one, be, be like them. Just be okay with whatever is there and and allow it to work on us. You know, as we are basically coming down from certain ways of understanding ourselves. You know, as being uh you know, it's being uh, special, being extra, being on top of, being in control, we start to understand no, it's actually very different. And you know, starting to bow down to this more than human world, because we understand we need all of those other beings, we need them all to be doing their work, having their space, you know, having their lives. And we are not better than them, but we are deeply interconnected and we need each other in order to exist. And, and out of that scene develops like a, a real sense of gratitude and uh, you know, we start to understand the intelligence, you know, of many of the indigenous cultures, which put a great emphasis on gratitude, you know, on this, this recognition of our deep interconnectedness with everything, you know, for our air, for our water, for our food, for our bodies, for everything, because it's all only borrowed, you know, these bodies of ours. They can be compared to riding animals for consciousness, you know, which we are, we receive them and then we look after them and use them. And then when it's time to give them back, we give them back. And if we have trained ourselves in this way of seeing, it's much easier, much less, uh, dukkha. So that you know, that slogan of modernity we need to give thanks for nothing because we are in control, we are terraforming entities, you know, who, who do what they want with this planet. This time is over, and uh, you know, that our genius for technology has created the same amount of problems it has solved in the end of the day we could just as well have done something different you know so you know seeing that uh, whatever we do out of a of this view of being kind of exempt from being part of a big system whatever we do with that kind of a mindset is not going to bring us any happiness or fulfillment And we are, you know, we are deeply connected with the earth, with our ancestors, which take us back, right back into the planet. You know, if we go back from our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, and the other species, you know, we have been in all, you know, these human bodies, when they are, you know, embryos, they show features of many other animals. For In the beginning, you are not quite sure what it's going to become. You know, even a baby like an embryo has gills which then later, you know, drop off and be and, and form into something else. So we are our ancestors. We are the planet. This is a complete new chapter, you know, in the evolution of life on the earth. That this is understood slowly but surely by more and more people and might kind of enter the mainstream, hopefully, before it is too late. So it's, it's you kind know, of stepping out of a rather immature way of being here, you know. Thinking we are created by some kind of a god with a beard in the sky, you know, who made us in seven days or something like that, and then, you know, hoping that he's going to do everything for us. So that that time has come to a close for many. That's really great. And so those old, old ways of seeing, you know, they are getting more and more cracks, and the light is coming through those cracks. And that's a really good thing. And we can see, you know, how inter-are we are with everything. This beautiful uh, way of describing, you know, emptiness or dependent origination by Venobhik you know, Natan, inter which is such a clear way of um, pointing towards this truth. How indebted we are, how entangled we are with everything else. How embedded we are. And how much, you know, the idea that we are free gets into the way of our true freedom. Because that understanding of we are free is is a very immature understanding of what, what it means to be free. And whereas, you know, that freedom of suffering and that freedom of greed, hatred, and delusion comes from accepting and understanding that deep interconnectedness, dependent origination of everything. So, you know, how can how we, can we uh, use that practice of ours, which we already got, you know? How can we, you know, drop deeper into it? And I think, you know, by that can be done by looking externally and seeing, you know, how the planet is holding up this huge mirror to us and saying, you know, times are urgent. We need to slow down. This invitation, you know, to really deeply listen and being with the uncertainty, the discomfort, the not knowing, and allowing that, you know, to open us up, allowing that to help us to move out of these old ways of seeing, which are much too small and much too immature. We can't stay there. We need to move on. And moving on means, you know, listening into that which wants to emerge. And there's many many uh, people speaking about emergence today because what we're all clear, you know, that we don't really know how to get a handle on this because we have a lot of good technologies, but we are still at a great loss, you know, how to organize, how to get enough interest going so that those changes are really um, integrated into our lives. There is so much um, confusion and different opinions out there. So what to do? So, you know, for me, I'm thinking about the parable of Icarus which you might have heard about it, is a Greek parable of a, a father and a son who are, I think, in a prison somewhere and in a tower and they are thinking you know, how to escape and then the father builds wings out of cloth and feathers and wax. And, and he says to his son, you know, so we're going to use those wings now to fly out and don't fly too low above the ocean, because then, you know, the winds, you know, clog up with water, and you're going to drown. But also don't go too close to the sun, because if you go too close, then the wax will melt, and you're, you're going to fall down. So he's, even that, you a know, parable speaks about the middle way, The in you know, which one of the ways we can speak about the Buddha's teaching, the middle way between the two extremes, and the uh, so Icarus goes too close to the sun, and he falls down and dies. And and I think you know our culture has also gone too close to 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 the fire, which you know was through this overdependence on fossil fuels. You know, which is like sun energy locked up in different. Uh, Ways as oil and gas and coal. So we are like a very good example of that that story, you know, and we are falling. And in that falling, you know, we can break open, you know, like a seed falling down from the tree and then breaking open, and then something new is emerging out of that by allowing that breaking open to happen because it's part of the growth process as unpleasant as it you know can feel. So that that uh, need to break with business as usual. and uh, not to allow that the confusion and the grief and the uncertainty, to become a gate for responding from the depths of our being, which is intimately connected with the planet itself through our ancestors. Not only our human ancestors, but also our animal ancestors and all beings who have gone before us. And, you know, and if we think in that way, or at least for me, if I think in that way, I feel a sense of okayness about everything, because I know I don't have to do it all myself. And there's a lot of resilience, intelligence, capacity, you know, which I've inherited through just by being here, but also trauma and Other ways, you know, of being imprisoned in the mind. So we've gotten both. And that the true activism, you know, in this time of compost activism is to really allow that grief, to really allow that uncertainty to really allow that to be really consciously digested. It's the only way how we can move forward. And, you know, and that's much easier done as a collective, as a Sangha than alone. That's why, you know, meetings like this are very important and that's what I also like to provide with the Aloka Earth Room you know, a space where that, that chesting of the past is central, you know, and where that deep interconnectedness with planet is also central and, and expressed in visual ways through art and symbolism that we can be supported by that clarity. So something you know is calling us from the depths of emptiness. something new, you know, which needs to come to life through us. So to reconfigure ourselves and our culture, our systems, we have been the ones we have been waiting for, you know. There is no big daddy out there who is going to tell us what to do. We need to, each of us, you know, find our own contribution through leaning into that messiness. But not without support. We have very good support through the Buddha's teaching. And, you know, there's so many different kinds of intelligences, so many different modes and strands of intelligence. And we have been, as a culture, you know, Developed certain strands very well, but neglected other strands, and now we have to just come into balance. We have to work more on a relational intelligence, for example. You know, being able to stay in relationship with that which feeds into us and is at the foundation of our lives. So we are not coming to our senses, basically. Stepping out of the rational thinking mind and developing different ways of being in relationship and sensing, you know, into a future that wants to arise out of the compost of that which has been before. So, you know, not not trying to, the wisdom of no escape, uh, this very famous book of Pema Chodron, the wisdom of no escape. You know, we can't wait for others to do it for us. We need to do it ourselves. and need to bow to that. You know, not from a sense of poverty or, or lack, but from a sense of, uh, you know, deep gratitude and honor also for, you know, being alive at a time when, we can consciously leave behind old ways of being human beings, and and you know, like a big step, which we, as a species, are needing to make. And we can help. We can help to make that an easier process by participating, you know, willingly, before it's go it's too late you know so we need to slow down in order to speed up because we need to kind of go deeper into reality and then from that depth finding the next steps and doing that you know as as a collective and you know Supporting each other in being okay with the not knowing. So this is this, an you know, invitation to really deeply listen and... again and again, you know, coming back to opening the heart and the mind and the will so that we can sense, you know, uh, the new which is already waiting because the old has is coming, crashing down on so many levels. There's no doubt about that. And when something is dying, that's always making space for something new to emerge. And then, you know, when I go into the forest, I can see that particularly well, you know, there are so many stages of, of being there, you know, some trees are like just tiny, tiny and others are old, have been falling down years ago and rotting back into the ground and everything else. So many different stages of being. And they all, you know, they all belong. They all have a function. They all support each other. And if something comes crashing down, a new space opens up.